All right, we're live. All right, welcome to Nothing Is OB Golf Podcast, episode 31. Now, I always have a special guest, but today I have a guest that I've been wanting to have on the show for a while. And yes, his dad has been plugging and pushing for him. I got Ty Roberts out of Cibolo, Texas. How you doing today, Ty? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm super psyched, super pumped up to have you on the show. Just from um, just from reading your article on the Texas Golf Insider, and then uh, you know being friends with your dad and doing a little run at uh, at Northcliff, working for Jack Mitchell out there way back when, a long time ago. Uh, I've always I've followed your career and. I've always wanted to have you on the show, and I even I even saw you did an episode. I think you've done a couple episodes uh, with on your dad's show, and I said, "Man, this guy's just too refined for my show." I said, "I, I don't know. I don't. I think he might be too good for our show." No, no, I'm never too good for anybody. You know, it's I'm, I'm here for everyone. You know, I treat everyone equally, so I'm never too good for anything. <laughs> well, once again, uh, thanks so much. Right now, the show's feeding on my Nothing Is Ob uh, Facebook page, my personal page, and my Nothing Is Ob Golf Podcast uh, South Texas uh, Golf Group right now. So those are the live feed that it's on. So hopefully, your dad—I know he's in New, New Mexico right now. Hopefully, he'll even check it out. Yeah, hopefully he can swing by and see. You know, <laughs> but I mean, he's probably out having fun in the casino or something. I don't blame him. Dad, there you go. Hey, that—that's what I like to hear. I was like, man, you know your dad. <laughs> Well, 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 Ty, uh, one of the biggest things that one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is that uh, you have so many wins in uh, junior golf. Now, um, you, it, what I have you at right now, and as we talked uh, prior to this, is that you have 100 and you said you think you're around 122 to 123 wins. Now, could you can you remember each one of those wins? So, yeah, actually, I one thing is like I have. I wouldn't say like a photographic memory, but when I play golf at a golf course and as I walk down the fairway, I can remember like every time I've played the hole and it's just, I don't know why it's just one of those things that sticks with me. And it's actually kind of an advantage because when you're playing the hole, you know what, you know what happens, how the course reacts or how it typically reacts and what conditions. And yeah, believe it or not, I, I can remember, I mean, I wouldn't say I remember all 123 because that's just crazy. But <laughs> I mean, I remember the majority of them and how they went out. And, and I just remember because remembering things like that can help you out in the future. If you ever have a shot that you've already hit before, you're like, hey, I remember what happened last time. Let's do this instead or let's do it again. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, that's one thing I like to do before I have a round or when I know I have a tournament or a round uh, the night before, or the weeks before I try to like you say, you know, visually kind of remember the course and try to play it. I really try to play it mentally first before I do. Uh, that's nice to hear, you know, thinking that I don't have, considering I don't have that many wins as like you do. And so I'm like, hey, somebody that's that's got some wins in the hundreds is doing pretty much something the same thing similar as to what I do. Yeah, now, it's, a, it's a great, te it's a great tech technique you can use. I mean, anybody can use it. Amateur golfers, if you're just playing with your buddies, I mean, obviously it might not be that serious. But if you're playing, you know, for something or you, this round really matters to you, go ahead and try to plan out the course before you play it. it it'll help you a lot. Well, I like to do that. It, it might not help me that much, but, but I'm going to tell you, uh, I guess it's just I just that's why I do this podcast is I just love the game so much. And I can't always be on the course, but I can always talk and listen to golf. Now, um, <clears throat> now, how did what age did you start at? getting into the game of golf. I know your dad has been a golf pro for a good amount of years and uh, he's well known here around town in, in the city of San Antonio. 
but when did you personally take like your own interest and your own, um, you know, your own stake in the game? Well, the first time I ever picked up a club, I was a little about end of one years old, right at the start of being two years old. Uh, Back when I lived in California and in the backyard, my dad would give me golf lessons and I'd smack the ball with my plastic club. And we slowly graduated up to a little bit better materials and better clubs (laughs) and an actual golf course instead of a backyard. And I mean, ever since I was hitting balls in the backyard, it's just something, the difficulty of the game and how like, it's not like any other sport. Let's, let's be honest. There's nothing to compare golf to just because of how physical, like, People will say golf is not a physical sport. It is mentally demanding. It's like a chess match that involves actually being the pieces. And you have to know so much about what's going on for four, five, maybe even six hours while you're out there. It's one of the longest sports you got. So just the difficulty has really attracted me to the game and the fact that you can never be perfect. So there's always something to try to get better at. That's probably why. And probably, I think I was about six, seven years old when I first started playing like actual tournaments. Uh, just, you know, a little five, nine hole tournaments here and there. And I slowly graduated up to now I'm playing 18 to 72 hole tournaments. So, so when did, uh, when did you start thinking, I guess that, you know what, Hey, I can make a career at this or at least can play at the next, you know, at the collegiate level and big time D one school level. So when I really started to enjoy golf and think, man, I can, I can make a career out of this. Believe it or not, I was like eight or nine years old, and I didn't know that they made a ton of money. I just thought it'd be cool to, you know, travel the world and get to play golf. I didn't know that they were making millions and millions of dollars. So I was like telling my dad, I was like, hey, I want to become a professional golfer. And he goes, all right. And he kept asking me to make sure, hey, do you want to become a professional golfer? Because I'm going to treat you like I would if someone came to me and said they want to become a professional golfer. And let's, let's be honest, it's paid off. Uh, it's pretty intense because obviously not everyone makes it to be a pro. So he's treated me like, uh, like he wants the best for me. So he's been very hard on me, but in a good way. So right around, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years old. That's when I realized I want a career out of golf. And that's been my goal ever since is to reach PGA tour. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, you're, you're well on your way. Uh, what would you say is probably your, your best strength on the course right now? So as of right now, I'd probably say my distance and my imagination. So I don't see any shot as impossible. I always think there's a way. Now, obviously, you got shots that are low percentage. Like if you're in the trees, you're not going to try to hit a miracle shot. But, for example, like when I played at Valor Creek a, last year, I had a shot where I had to lean over the branch of a tree to hit the shot because it was a low-hanging branch. I ended up getting up and down for par. Most people, they take an unplayable lie. They're looking at bogey, double. I see every shot as imaginable and just watching the pros, their imagination kind of drawing from that. And then my driving, I hit the ball 300 plus with my driver consistently and actually in the fairway, believe it or not, because I know a lot of people can hit 300, but can they hit it in the fairway? So I'd say my driving, the fact that I can hit it far and in the fairway is a big uh, help. Instead of hitting, you know, nine, eight, seven iron in, I'm hitting sand, lob wedge, gap wedge in the par fours. So what would you say your average distance off the, off the tee is right now? So for the area I live in, because obviously it changes with area to area with the air and stuff. For New Braunfels area, I'm saying I'd get about 310 off the tee. My carry is about 285, so it depends like if it's wet outside or hard or winter. 
but I get about 285 carry. And then from there, you know, roll out depends. Now uh, around the new Bronzeville area is, is the area that you pretty much you frequently play. Uh, what would you say is your favorite course around that area? So for new Bronzeville's, uh, my, my favorite course, actually, it's kind of a toss up. I, I have two home courses over here in New Braunfels. It's uh, Landa and the Bandit. And I like them both pretty much equally. The uh, atmosphere is really good at Landa and the course is great if you want to work on wedge play and stuff like that. And then when you go over to the Bandit, it is a challenge from the tee box on hole one to the green on 18. There's not a single hole where you stand up on the tee box and say, I should birdie this hole. Every hole is a challenge. There's Trouble on every hole, it makes you think out all 18 holes. You can't just go out there willy-nilly and hit a ball and hope for the best because you're going to lose a lot of golf balls out there. So I'd say I like them about equal. Well, um, I played both of those two courses, and you know it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the Bandit has had my lunch a good amount of times, but you're right. Uh, I think probably you're using your uh, imagination would help you you know, get get through and get around, uh, get around that course. I really like the setup of it. I like how they have, uh, you know, I guess courage pass and the wall. I like how they name their holes. Cause you, cause I'm sure, you know, from all the golf courses you played, I don't think every golf course, uh, every hole on every golf course deserves to have a name, you know, deserves to have that whole name. I think you've got to earn it. And I think for the most part, they're at the bandit. Uh, a lot of those holes, they've earned their names that they have. Yeah, and Landa, very true. And Landa has like, uh, I really like the setup at Landa. Gosh, it, it's such uh, – I, I hadn't played it because, honestly, for some reason, I don't know why. I'd always gone to Schlitterbahn, and I, I take my wife and kids there, and I'm just kind of like there at Schlitterbahn seeing it, and I'm just like I see the golf course, and I'm kind of like, you know, on the other side of the mirror, the other side of the glass, and I'm just like I want to be there. You know, not to be mean to my kids, not here, not here too. Be, I want to be there on the golf course. And finally, I got to be the other way around. I got to look at Schlitterbahn from like, you know, from I think it was like 16 or 15. Yeah, and, 16. And you know what? It's it's a really nice course. It's a really nice, uh, nice layout. And to call those two your home courses, man, that's not too shabby at all. Yeah, they're great golf courses. And like you said about the Bandit, every hole earns their name. Like hole two, it's called too much too soon. And I tell you <laughs> what, any par three that's 240 plus, that's a hard hole. Dang, and elevated and elevated oh, yeah. green. I'm like, man, shoot. But from where you play at 240, I mean, I think the furthest I played it at is like two, I think like 221. And shoot, man, I think I just I have to like swing out of my socks just to get it around the green. Yeah, it's a tough hole. Now, what about here in the San Antonio area? I know you've out of all your hundred and something wins, you've probably played almost every course here in town. What is I know you told me the other day, but I want our listeners to hear what is your favorite course here in San Antonio? Yeah, that, that's a pretty fair guess to say. I played every course in the San Antonio area, <laughs> past and present. Uh, I, I've played a lot of golf in the San Antonio area, and it comes down to really two courses again. Uh, the TPC, obviously, it's a great. It has 36 holes out there. Uh, great challenge if you want to challenge yourself, go play. Uh, the Oaks course. Now, obviously, it's recommended that you don't play the back tees because uh, that's where the pros play from and pace play and stuff like that. But um, if you ever do get the chance or you are one of the viewers that can play from the back tees, it is a challenge. And I love challenges, just like the Bandit, but obviously a little bit more scaled up on the challenge. And then uh, I like uh, Oak Hills. It's just one of the most beautiful golf courses I've ever played. Uh, the fact that 9 and 18 is a par 3 is awesome. And uh, the fact that like when you just go out there, I mean, 
I didn't play too great when I did play out there. I mean, I played good enough, but it was it was just enjoyable. I mean, you just look at the course. There's not a blade of grass out of place. The greens are perfect. The sand is nice. Everyone rakes everything. I mean, everything's taken care of. You don't have people ruining the course. People who are out at Oak Hills know what they're doing. And the people who play there know that they need to respect the course because they put a lot of time and effort into that course. Well, I know if, if <clears throat> excuse me, if I'm not mistaken, I think they recently, I'd say maybe within six months or the last year, I know they renovated several of the holes there. And uh, I was speaking to one of the members and one of the members was just saying that uh, they didn't think the, the course could have got any harder. Well, you know what? They had to think again because, <laughs> because it did get harder. But uh, what would you say uh, between um, out of Oak Hills and TPC that who's got the better or the most true greens? So, actually, even though the PGA Tour plays at TPC, I got to say Oak Hills. The greens out there are amazing. And I've, I've played it a couple of times, and every time I've played it, the greens have been amazing. Barely any bumps in the green, no spike marks. They're just so pure. They're always green. And one thing that I notice is, like, every putt is you have a chance to make. Now, it sounds crazy to say that you wouldn't at TPC, but there's some pin locations – you just don't have a chance to make the putt. You just got to go for two putt. At Oak Hill, you got a chance to make that putt. But guess what? If you're too aggressive, you're looking at three putts now. And that's why I got to say the greens out at Oak Hills are amazing. And like like that member said, the course did get a lot tougher. A lot. Well, I know, I know you're huge in the golf, obviously. But I remember watching the episode that you were on the Texas Golf Insider with uh, your dad and Mike. And uh, they were they were talking about several of the things that you're doing outside of the game of golf. And I was like, man, this guy's this guy's so talented. And I'm like, well, what are uh, why don't you let some of our viewers and some of our listeners know what are some other things you're doing outside of the game of golf? So currently, right now, I do uh, broadcasting or broadcast journalism for my school. I obviously, if I cannot become a professional golfer, like if something bad happens to me or I just can't make the make the jump. I'd like to become a sports commentator, like commentate basketball. I mean, I can, I can commentate basically any sport. I love all the sports. I mean, I've watched enough of, I mean, even hockey, basketball, baseball, soccer, football. I mean, I'm a stat guy. I love the stats. I watch it all. And um, so I did broadcasting. And then two years ago, for about – from two years ago to about three years before that, so for three years, about five to two years ago, I, uh, I was in theater – and I uh, did theater arts and made productions and stuff like that for uh, about three years. And then um, it conflicted with my golf and because they, because <laughs> they wanted me to move to the next level of, uh, of theater. Cause I was on JV theater, even though I was asked to be on varsity, I chose to stay on JV and cause I would be able to participate in theater without cutting into my golf time. Well, when they told me that I had to make the jump in my uh, junior year, I was like, yeah, I can't do it. Golf's more important. I'm sorry. So, and then lastly, well, two things, actually. I play video games for fun, and I mean, that's good and all. And then uh, basketball. I used to play basketball for my school, and once I reached high school, I decided to focus on golf. And um, that's basically what I do outside of school. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what, all, uh, that's what I want to hear you say. I wanted to hear you say that that you had that you had been into acting. I remember hearing you say that. So, uh I guess 
if if your golf career doesn't work out and let's say by chance you're able to make it as as an actor what do you see yourself playing what kind of an actor do you see yourself playing like are you, you know, like more of like a leo guy or are you like the rock kind of guy or are you like a comedian like a kind of maybe like a uh maybe ben stiller type character or jim carrey well honestly i mean i haven't put a ton of thought into who i'd want to become i mean obviously <laughs> i want to kind of make my own name but I'm more of like a, uh, like a, if I could pick a guy to be like, I mean, obviously not his past, but how he's gone from there would be like Robert Downey Jr. He's had a great career acting and now that he's done with the Marvel movies, he's moved on. But just the fact that he was able to stay with a, uh, with a program or a uh, company for so long and make a great story. I want to do that. Like if I were to ever, or, and you also mentioned Leonardo DiCaprio, amazing actor. I would love to be like him. <laughs> Well, I, well, you know what? My wife and I, we constantly talk about who, who's, the, who's the best actor, I guess, of like our time, you know, of our time period right now. And, and you're a young guy. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s and my wife, I married a young wife. And so uh, she's, I think she's, I'm going to say she's 35, 36. I'm not too sure. She's, she looks younger, looks and acts younger than that, you know? And so um, we talk about our, our, our favorite actors or actresses is that we say, you know, Leo's probably one of like, I guess the now like, great actor and then you have like denzel washington which is another you know tremendous actor and so we always kind of talk about you know what uh who would play us in a role you know and i know with out of there's many golf movies i'm sure you've seen a good amount of golf movies uh who would you say maybe out of all the golf movies you've seen what character what character would you say uh and what movie do you think uh probably fits like your profile the most so who I want to be like and who I yeah. am are yeah. two different things. I would like to be like the caddy from the legend of Bagger Vance. What did I, I mean, it was an amazing, amazing movie and how he was like talking about the game and how it's, it's not just hitting a ball. There's a lot to it. And then who I act like, I really act like the caddy from the greatest game ever played the little kid. Yeah. I, Eddie. Act, I act just, <laughs> I mean, but if, if I had like a person to model myself out of a golf movie, it would be the caddy from the Legend of Bagger Vance, and if I do remember correctly, it was Will Smith that played the caddy. Another good, actor. that's a good actor. <laughs> an amazing job in that role, and I think to act like uh, act like him in the movie, it's just a great role model for golfers to realize that it's more than just hitting a ball, and there's a lot to it, and you gotta you gotta calm yourself first before you can go out and try to expect to do anything. I I, to I totally agree. Now. Well, now going into the movies, what would you say is your favorite golf movie? Uh, you referenced, uh, you know, you referenced two good, two great movies that whenever they're on, I stop what I'm doing and, and I watch it because, you know, I, I, I imagine moments of greatness for myself on the course. So what would you say is your favorite golf movie? So I'm going to cheat on this one. Uh, it's not, it's not technically a, uh, a movie. It's more of a document series. It'd be uh, Arnie. The uh, the three-part series that they had when Arnold Palmer had passed away, I thought that was amazing. I mean, obviously, it's not technically a movie. And if I had to pick a movie, it'd probably be Legend of Bagger Vance. But um, I, I really liked the Arnie series. And I, I fortunately was able to watch it because even though it was on a school night and it went pretty late, I was like, hey, Dad, I'm watching this, okay? <laughs> and he let, me, he let me go ahead and watch it. And, and just the stuff, like how many lives he touched and – how amazing of a person he was, no matter who you were, where you came from. 
Arnold Palmer is an amazing guy. And just watching the movie and watching how, how many people he really impacted was amazing to me. Now, that's one thing I really appreciate that the Golf Channel does, being having a specific channel for the sport that we love like crazy, is that you get to learn a lot of things about, you know, there's the Ben Hogan story. I didn't know that he was so much of a jerk that he was. And then you learn about Arnold Palmer, about, you know, like you said, the many lives that he touched and how great of a genuine person he was. And that one thing I liked is that uh, how they stated that, uh, up, obviously up until his death, that he wrote every winner, like on the PGA, like it is like, of a certain type of, 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 you know, championship, whatever, he would write them a handwritten congratulations letter and he would have it mailed to him. And I said, man, that is, that's something that, uh, like you don't just do, you know, you don't like a lot of people might just send like a, you know, a pre-made letter already or a typed out, he would, you know, hand, he would hand write letters. And, um, I thought that was pretty genuine. And then, you know, you see movies like the Sevy movie and, you know, you like, you just think like, Man, these guys were magic. You know, I I would have loved like seeing Tiger and Rory and seeing DJ and JT right now. You see these guys and I'm like, man, I would have loved to have seen those guys in their prime. And uh, out of out of these golfers, uh, old and new, who's your favorite golfer out there on tour right now? So my favorite golfer on tour right now, yes, is going to shock some people. Rory McIlroy is my favorite golfer. And the moment because I used to be a Tiger fan, and I'm going to be honest, I was a Tiger fan until the 2013 Honda Classic, Rory McIlroy loses after having a, like a three- or four-shot lead. The way he handled the loss and came back next week and won, that right there really transferred my favoritism from Tiger to Rory. And that's when Tiger started his downfall, and a lot of people doubted Tiger, including my dad, if you've ever watched any of his shows. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not the greatest Tiger fan. But the fact that Tigers come back, it's great, great for the game. And it was very enjoyable to watch. Great story. If you ever need motivation, just watch the Tiger Woods story on YouTube. But um, Rory McIlroy, just because, I mean, my game's a lot like his. We both can't putt, and we hit the ball really far. Oh, man, shoot. I, I wish I wish I could say I, I modeled my game after somebody. If I have to say I modeled my game after somebody, it's more like somebody like Kevin Kisner. You know, hey, he, he's not very long, but he puts, like, incredible – even though I don't putt incredible, just depending on on what day you catch me, you know, hey, I can get that rock rolling, you know. And, uh, well, I'm going to tell you a little story, right? Like, I'm one of these guys that I used to wake up really early to, to listen to, you know, to your dad's show on Saturday mornings, right? I'm one of those those golf geeks. I'm one of those guys. Well, they used to do a lot of giveaways. They don't do them as much anymore, but they would give away, like, so many rounds of golf, like, every Saturday morning, right? Like, at their very last portion of the – of the show. And I, I had never called in. I had never called in. I had never got through. And they were asking the question. Um, I, I can't remember how many years ago it was is like, okay, who do you think is going to be better from this point on Rory or tiger? And I'm just like, Oh man. Uh, I remember my wife was inside getting coffee. I was in the car. I called the number and what do you know? I get through and they're like, Hey, you're on the show, you know? And I'm just like, I froze. I froze. I was just like, uh, my heart was saying tiger. Cause I am just a huge tiger guy. That's the reason why I really started taking golf super serious. And I was just like, uh, Rory. And they're like, well, why? Uh, because tiger gets hurt too much. And they're like, okay, thanks. They hung up on me. And next thing you know, they give the damn two rounds of golf to the next guy that calls and says the exact same thing. And I'm just like, Man, I, it's because I froze. You know, it's like I hesitated. You know, I hesitated. I was the deer in the headlights, you know. 
And so I said, after that, I can't, I, I can't like hesitate anymore. I said, whatever stance I take, I just got to make sure I take it and believe it, even if I, it, it's not something that I do believe. Yeah, that's that's one thing, you know. And um, Hal Sutton said it when he came and spoke at one of my events. And I know this isn't like an exact thing, but you can use an analogy. He said, "The right swing with the lo- with the wrong club will always be better than the wrong swing with the right club." So if you're confident it's the right club and it ends up being the wrong one and you put a good swing on it, yeah, it's not going to go next to the hole. But it's better if you grab the, than you would have grabbed the correct club. So say you needed a six iron and you accidentally grabbed a seven. It's going to be better off than you double guessing yourself, grabbing the six iron, not sure you're going to blow it way right or way left. And you're going to be like, ah, I should have stuck with my gut. So, yeah, it, it's one of those things where just confidence is a big is a big thing if you just believe in it even if it may not be the correct thing in the end at least you believed in it and you gave it everything you had i, I totally agree with that and, and hal sutton's a good dude i, I heard him speak I, i'd say two years ago at a coaching conference and man you know it uh he got everybody fired up you know he got he got everybody fired up um he was talking about tiger and and, and i give him a lot of credit because he even stated uh, you know, people were asking, this is before Tiger had won the Masters again. And, uh, you know, people were asking and said, hey, uh, he was taking questions from the field. And, you know, so, somebody asked, so what do you think about Tiger? He said, I said, mark my words, uh, you know, Tiger's going to get another major here. He said, mark my words. I don't know which one. And he even he even says it out. He even He says, I don't know which one, but, hey, he knows Augusta pretty well. And then sure enough, what happens? Tiger wins that year. And I'm just like, man, said Hal Sutton, a Texas guy, you know, a Texas guy is calling it over here. Now, uh, talking about talking about great players, uh, what would you say is probably one of your to this point and to this point, in your young career is your best golf memory? So my best golf memory is probably, well, I'm split my first hole in one or. Um, when I got to play with Henry Marsh, four-time Olympian, um, at, in a course in Utah. So in Utah, I got to play with Henry Marsh in a tournament, and we ended up winning the tournament, which was awesome. It was my dad. And then the last hole, I sunk a 65-foot putt when everybody in the group was like, all right, we'll just try to two-putt. And I said, why two-putt? Let's make it. Ended up making the putt. I was six years old at the time, all right? And I'm doing this in front of a four-time Olympian. So – that's a great moment that I'll always remember. And I had to give a speech about it because everyone was asking me because turns out hole 18 was longest putt made hole. And I won the longest putt made on that hole. And they were like, tell us about it. So I had to tell them about that. And I'll never forget that night. It was amazing. And then my first hole in one, I'm staying the night at one of my friend's house. He's actually my teammate on my golf team. And uh, he lives on a par three. So in the middle of the day, when there's nobody out on the par three, I go ahead and walk out and grab his dad's clubs and a ball. And his, his sister's there, and we're waiting for him to come out because he's bringing drinks. Well, we're sitting at the tee box, and I'm like, well, how about I go ahead and just hit one? And I hit it, and she goes, where's it going? And I go, oh, it's looking like it's right at the flag. Goes in the hole. The maintenance crew that's mowing around the green jump out of their mowers, and they're like, oh, we just made it. And I'm like, I just made a hole in one. Now, my parents, they don't like to count that because it wasn't that's, technically in a round. That's true. That's true. But in the same month, with my friend Nathan at his home course, I make a hole-in-one, number six, at Sonterra North. Flew it straight into the hole. So now my dad can say, I either have one or I don't. 
it doesn't matter because I made one a couple weeks later. <laughs> All right. Now, that's a tough course on Terra. And uh, so what hole or I guess what course did your, was your friend living at that it was a par three? Uh, Northcliff. Northcliff. Oh, hey. Oh, man. Dude, you live off of Northcliff too. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, well, he, he lives right down the road from me, which ends up being on the par three. So I was fortunate enough. Which which hole is it? That part three is it is it uh, is it sixteen or what? Fourteen. Fourteen. Okay, there you go. Fourteen. Yeah, and that's a that's a short one, but man, it's really it's actually tough because I guess when they had the trees overhanging it, you know, you had to kind of curve around, or I mean, you might curve around it. I would go underneath. I would go under. I would yeah, try to go that, under that, that tree. tree. That tree was tricky. You had to go over it to get anywhere near the pin on the back left. Now, craziest golf story. From all the times you've played, the oh, craziest moment that has happened to you on the course. Craziest moment? Uh, let's see. It's probably it. It's tough because I've had I've had a lot of crazy golf rounds. Um, let's see. Probably the craziest is it just single shot or round or what? Just anything, anything that stands out to you. All right. Well, I was playing at the pro am for the Insperity Invitational. And uh, that is in – it's at the Woodlands Country Club, and it's a senior tour event. But I got to play in the Pro-Am with uh, Scott Dunlap. And during the round, we're, we're just playing and having fun. It's uh, four, four junior golfers who qualified and Scott Dunlap. And we're playing, and we're just having fun. And we come up to this part five where there's uh, water. And everyone's laying up, and me hitting the ball pretty far. I was like, why am I going to lay up? It was like 260, 265 to carry the water. And most people are looking at me like, all right, this ball is water bound. And I hit it and I go, oh no, this is in the water. Lands on the rock short of the water, bounces over the water, onto the green right next to the hole. I look over to him and I go, just like I planned. And that's probably the craziest thing that's happened to me. I, And like, it was just crazy. I, I never thought in my life I would get a bounce like that in front of a pro. And everyone's watching, they're taking pictures, they're screaming up and down. And I'm like, I just did this in front of people, you know, this is crazy. Like usually when something cool happens, nobody's watching. Now, now tell me, what type of pressure is that like going from playing in a pro-am and then being on these uh, these junior tour events that you're on? Because I know I've been to some of those events. I watch some of my cousins play in some of these events, and I'm like, yeah, there's just like a handful of people, as opposed to where you have actually, you know, crowds surrounding you. Well, uh, when we played, when I played with the, I've done the disparity three times. So uh, each time I've played with the pros, usually the first hole or two, you're a little nervous because it's a pro. But then after that, you know, they're really, they're humans too. So they, they come around, they talk to you. And once you get used to them, you know, it's just like playing around to golf with your buddies. So you don't, you don't really lose too much uh, focus. I mean, you, you're out there to mostly have fun and learn from them. But if you're trying to have a good score, I mean, they're, they're there to help you. And then when it comes to tournaments, a lot of people get nervous on the first tee box, but I've, I've learned to, so I've, I've read a book, it's called Golf's Not a Game of Perfect. It's a good book, if anybody's needing something to read. I, I'm writing it down. <laughs> it's, it's a good book, I'll tell you that. It, it'll help you think your way around the golf course and realize that one swing is not more valuable than the other in the grand scheme of things. Like my dad always talks about uh, this pro who would say, if I didn't birdie the first three holes, then I knew it wasn't going to be a good day. And my dad would always think to himself, you know, well, if he birdies the first three 
or he birdies the last three, isn't that still three under? So people getting nervous on the first tee box. Why are you nervous there when you're going to have to hit the exact same shot on hole 12, you know? Just treat it like you're in the middle of your round already. And pressure and nervousness, that's all self-inflicted. Nobody's nobody's pressuring you. It's, it's you wanting to do good. So if you can just calm yourself down, the pressure will go away, and you'll be able to play just like you're – just pretend like nobody's there. Well, it seems like you've been coached and you've been raised really well. Now, in speaking to you last night, we were talking about coaches, and you said that you've only had one coach – your whole life. And that was your dad. What would you say is probably the best advice that your dad's given you? Cause obviously from what we've talked about today, you, you told me that your dad was a real business, like, you know, with you. And when he said that, Hey, he, he gave you that option that, Oh, you want to be treated like a pro. I'm going to treat you like a pro. It seems like, uh, like you've taken that to heart. And, uh, you said that, that everywhere you've been and that, you know, the way where you're at in your game right now is because of, you know, a lot of the teaching that your dad's instilled in you. So what would you say is, is I guess, the thing that uh, stands out the most to you out of all his teachings he's done with you? So as, as you know, I play like multi-day tournaments, right, where it's one, two, three, four rounds. His best advice he's ever given me, and I always think about it before I play the first round of a tournament. You can't win it on the first day, but you can definitely lose it. You can shoot 59 the first day. You still don't have the trophy. But if you shoot yourself an 85, good luck. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty good. That's one thing I tell my kids. Uh, we had a scrimmage, uh, I say, a few weeks ago. I said, you know what? You can't win the scrimmage, I said, but you can definitely lose it. And, uh, man, that, that's, some, that's some pretty damn good advice. Yeah, he, he's been around the game of golf for more than my lifetime and then some. So he, he knows a lot, and just him able to give me advice throughout my 16 years of golf and 18 years of life. It's just, it's amazing because like nobody has a source of knowledge that is this free. It's anytime I want to pick up the phone. Hey dad, this is wrong with my swing. What's going on? Hey, send me a video. Boom, boom, boom. No charge. There's a lot of people who are paying hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars a year to get the knowledge that I'm fortunate enough to get for free from my father. And I'm just so thankful for that because a lot of people, they, they don't have that. And the fact that I do, I think that's a big testament of how I've made such a huge jump in the junior golf scene. I, I, to I totally agree. Now, what is your, what would you say is your go-to uh, like Tiger Sunday outfit? Like, do you have a favorite outfit? I need, I see you rocking a lot of obviously your Canyon polos, you know, but I mean, I think, Hey, you got to give the school pub and, you know, when you play in your events, I mean, it's pretty much a must, but what is your like go-to that, Hey, when I need to go real low, what's your go-to outfit? So as of lately, I've kind of, I've kind of moved over to wearing red and black as a, you know, as a gag, <laughs> it's more of like a, yeah, I'm tiger kind of thing. But my real go-to, my favorite, my favorite colors to wear together are pink and black. And I know it sounds weird. Everyone's like, I'm born in October. So pink's a color that I see all the time. And, I, I just like it, you know. It's such a it's a cool color. You can wear it when it's hot outside. You're not gonna melt yourself down. And you know, you go out there and shoot 66 when you're wearing pink. They're gonna look at this guy and go, "He's good." <laughs> well, I have some I have some pink golf shoes. I don't know. Let me see if you could. I don't know if I could. Let's see. I'm gonna turn them. I don't know. They're somewhere. I don't know the camera. There you go. They're right there. I got some pink Nike golf shoes. Right? Those are That's bright. Pretty, yeah, they're they're bright. And you know what? Uh, like. 
uh, I wore them and you know, my dad, my dad and my uncle, I think the first time I wore them, my dad and my uncle were giving me just a freaking hard time. And luckily enough, I shot decently that day. And so after the round, you know, I'm sure like your dad, your dad's probably your hardest besides yourself is probably your hardest critic. And my dad, after the, after the round said, he goes, you know what, mijo, you can wear those shoes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, not all the time, but yes, like, hey, thank you. <laughs> you know, so because it, do, it does draw a lot of attention. And I do love I, I got a Tiger Woods uh, pink polo and it's like a pink camo. And so that, that's yeah. Hey, it's Tiger Woods, Nike. Uh, so that's that's one of my favorites. So, you know what? I agree. I agree. Rock the pink. And especially if you go low, hey, you know, you probably turn in some other turning some other golfers on to to, to some pink to the pink polos, you know? Yeah. And yeah, about the critic thing. That's that's true. I mean, I I would say my dad's a harder critic on me than I am because he knows what it takes. He's been there. He's been he's played at the highest level. So he knows what it takes. And that's the thing, like having someone, whether it be your dad or your coach or someone out there who can be straight with you, tell you how it is and not not try to sugarcoat anything, which thankfully and some people wouldn't like it being their dad. I like it being my dad because he'll tell me straight. Like, hey, that sucked. He's not afraid to say that. And that's the thing. He's straight up with me. And if there's people out there that are junior golfers or golfers that are trying to get to the next level, you need to find someone who's going to be straight with you and tell you how your performance is. Because if you don't have someone telling you you're doing something wrong, you're going to think you're doing a great job when there's something critically wrong and it'll cause you to be stuck in a kind of a no motion. You're not going to go anywhere forward. You're just going to be stuck in the same spot. Now, something a little bit that that I really want to know and that others, I ask others on the show, what's in your bag right now? What are you rocking right now in your bag? So right now, I kind of have like a mixed bag. I'll start off with the putter. Um, I'm using a TP Mullen 2 tailor-made putter. It is a, it's a putter I've had for a while. I won it in a putting contest against my dad at the Superstore. He said if I beat him in a putting contest, he'd get me the putter. So, you know, I had to try really hard on that one. Oh, and, dude, uh, and that, that store is awesome too, man. Shoot. Oh, I, yeah. I'm a kid in a candy store. It's like Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka's oh, chocolate yeah. factory up in there. Yeah, so that's my putter. And then my lob wedge, I use a 60-degree lob wedge, which is a Callaway uh, Phil Mickelson grind. It's not the it's not the high-toe one, but it's the Phil Mickelson grind uh, lob wedge. And then I use the same thing as a sandwich. My sandwich is a 56-degree. And then my gap wedge is a Cleveland RTX 3. Uh, 50 degree gap wedge and then a um, pitching wedge through seven iron is a Shrixon 785 with uh, S400 shafts uh, and then my six through four iron are Shrixon 585s with S400 shafts and uh, I liked I like to make the longer clubs with a little bit more forgiveness because I'm hitting them farther so I want a little more forgiveness on the longer clubs that's why I use the 585 of the 785s and then hybrid which won't be in the bag for much longer i'm trying to get my dad to buy me a two iron but he's not sold on it yet because <laughs> um, I, I like hitting irons instead of hybrids uh, so right now i use an m2 hybrid that's uh it's a stiff shaft 60 grams and then uh my three wood which is probably the oldest club in my bag but it'll probably be the longest to stay it's a stiff 60 gram Nike Vapor Pro Combo 3 wood. This thing right here is a bullet. Now, people are like, Nike, why are you still running Nike? And then they see me hit the club and they're like, okay, you can play Nike. Like, okay. it is an amazing 3 wood. 
and I, I wouldn't trade it for any other three wood out on the market. And everyone's like, you don't want this sim? No, I'm sticking with this sniper three wood. It's a, it's a beast. And then my driver, I currently have the uh, M3 with a uh, stiff 60 gram shaft, and that's what I use. Now, you say you say you have that Nike three wood. I'm gonna tell you though, you know what? You're not the first one I heard. I think if if I'm not mistaken, I know uh, I know um, Patrick Reed and um brooks i know they were still rocking nike pretty pretty late and i know they still had one i think of when i was looking in their bag uh that that they still rock like a, a nike that nike that same maybe not that same exact model but a model super similar it was i guess one of the last of the nike model series that yeah they the had. vapor flies yeah yeah the, the vapor fly and so uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not surprised you saying that that thing still got popped because those guys on 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 tour are still using them. And now when you say uh, you, you said you had Strix Strix on uh, metals uh, irons, I'm like, man, that's some good that's some good metal right there. I play Mizuno's and they're not too far off from each other. And I know uh, I know Strix on man, those are those are some pretty good reinforced clubs right there. Yeah, they're they're my, they're probably the best irons I've ever hit. They just they feel good, and when you hit a good shot, you know it's going to be good. And even when you miss it, it the the yardages are still pretty good, and they're pretty forgiving for uh, being uh, being the level that they're at. They're not they're not cavity backs, but they're they're good. And um, that that Nike thing, I think a lot of people forget Nike made amazing golf clubs. The only reason they stopped making clubs is because they didn't make enough money, which Enough money to them is more money than we'll ever see in our lifetimes. Well, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I, I think you have a good shot on seeing a pretty good amount. <laughs> yeah, I hope I have. I wish I can see $300 million in one year. Uh, now, with all the golf you played, who would you say uh, you would play your final round of golf with, your final foursome? So, obviously, I don't plan on quitting golf anytime soon. But if I could, like, resurrect golfers to play with me because obviously by the time i'm ready to quit golf a lot of the people that are important to me will be gone so if i get to pick anybody like past present future yeah anybody it, it'd probably be my dad rory mcelroy and arnold palmer all right that's a pretty good foursome uh would, would you say would you take that would you take some money from them no i would lose a lot of money arnold palmer hey <laughs> Even in his old days, he was no joke. I mean, hey. he was he, he was he was still popping it down there. I mean, for as old as he was, and a lot of a lot of stories here out of Bay Hill, he was still he'd still take your lunch money if you weren't careful. I believe it, man. Shoot, I believe it. Now, with all these tournaments that you've played, would you say that you have a rival on the course? Like, out of all these guys, that maybe there's one that you want to beat more than the other, or maybe that something's come up and. You know, they just have somebody has just those little, uh, those little, those little corpse that you might not like that they get under your skin or that you just have a, a rival with. Is there any one of those out there? No, I mean, I, I I love all the people I compete with. They're they're cool people, you know. Some no, goofy, Ty, that's all... not Ty. That's not what I want to hear, man. I I need some juice, man. Come on, man. No, you know what my rival is? My rival's par. Okay, if I can beat <laughs> even par. I beat my rival. You know, that's the thing. A lot of people, a lot of people get stuck up on who they're playing. You know, you shoot under par, and at least at my age, you shoot a couple under par, you're going to win most of the tournaments you play in. That's the thing. People are so caught up in what you know Joe's doing over my left or Billy's doing to my right. You go ahead and shoot two, three under par. 
it doesn't matter what they shoot. They're going to have a tough time keeping up with you. Now, that, that's the thing. You don't have to worry about having a rival. I mean, and the golfers I play with, they're great people. There's nothing they can really do to bother me. I've seen it all at this point. You know, I'm jingling the change, dropping the flagstick. I'm used to it by now, you know. Whether they say it's an accident or not, it doesn't really bother me anymore. And a lot of my friends that I, I've been friends with my entire life play with play the same tours that I do. So I've known these guys forever, and they're all, they're all cool people. Now, with all the with all the tours and all the places you've played at, uh, you've already told me what are some of your favorite courses in the South Texas area. What is probably the, your most favorite course or experience uh, that you've had out of all the places you've played at? Uh, that's that's tough. Out of my favorite experience on a golf course, probably Austin Country Club. You know, when you come down the par five, you get to see the Penny Bridge, and then you know the next all the drivable par four that everyone goes for it. And I tell you what, there's probably a hundred maybe even a thousand pro v1s in there people are just dumping golf balls in that water but they see the pros do it and they want to try it not to mention Did you go for it amazing Did you go for it oh of course okay, why would you, why <laughs> that's, would you that's what i want to hear that's come exactly on, it, what i want to hear come on it, you know it's not like rory mackery did it with a three wood come on <laughs> hey shoot man that that's a gorgeous course because i did uh luckily enough i did get to cover a portion of it the last time the 2019 dale classic and that was actually my first time, the Dell match play. It was actually my first time to see Tiger uh, up close and personal. And I'm sure, I know you got to see him. You got to see it. Were the, were the crowds and the galleries not amazing? I mean, were they not just ridiculous? Oh, I tell you what, if you want to get a front, well, instead of row, it's front rope because they have the ropes. If you want to get against the rope, you're going to have to be three, four holes ahead, buddy. Because other than that, forget it. It's already triple, quadruple, quintuple layered. Five, six people lining up at the greens, tee boxes. Because, look, it was your marquee group. It was Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy. Who doesn't want to see that? It doesn't matter if, you know, someone's playing on hole six and it's a close match. They don't care. It's Tiger and Rory. They don't care if that goes 13 or 18 holes. There's going to be a crowd the entire time. It, it, it was amazing. And, and what I did like, though, is that uh, while he was playing, I got to go see some of the other golfers, some of the other matchups, and it was freaking dead. I mean, I, was, I saw Justin Thomas's group. I saw Brooks. I mean, there was like nine. I think I counted 13 people being the most outside of Tiger's group, and it was freaking like dead. I mean, it was so dead quiet. You know, it was just I was I couldn't believe it. It was so funny. You know, it was just it, it was just crazy. I thought in my mind. Well, yeah, when you got two heavyweights like Rory and Tiger going against each other in a match play, so it's mano a mano. Oh, forget it. Nobody. I mean, Justin Thomas, great player. I met the guy at the Dell match play in 2018. Great guy, cool guy. But you're just not going to be able to compete with Tiger Woods, who is the reason you get paid all that money because, let's be honest, he popularized golf with a lot of people. And then Rory McIlroy, who, if I remember correctly, was either number one or number two in the world golf rankings at the time. Forget it. You're going to have a big crowd. And, and, of course, when you have a big crowd, it's going to draw away from others. And I mean, rightfully so. Who doesn't want to see Rory versus Tiger? Uh, man, it, it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Now, one of, the, one of the things I told you was going to be a little bit tough. You know, it was going to be – I was going to hit you with a tough question. I said, you know what? I'm, I said, Ty, you've been a smooth character. And you know what, man? You, you are going to make a good amount of money, whether it's broadcasting or golf. Uh, now, in asking some of the people, uh, you know, that are in that are in the know in the city of San Antonio here in the golf game, uh, you know, I brought your name up. I said, what do you think of this kid? 
you know, you have certain instructors, certain pro shops guys say, man, great head on the, great head on the shoulders. Uh, good guy, good guy in the game. Uh, he's going to go on to do really big things. And then you got some, some people who are some detractors that are saying, Oh, uh, you know what? He's going to be, uh, he's a, he's a big fish in a small pond. Uh, or what was used in one thing, one guy saying, um, yeah, you know what? We'll see how it is when he gets to play some tougher competition. What do you say to people like that? Well, you know, they, they don't truly understand. I mean, they, they could understand from a, from a specific standpoint, but they don't really see it all. It doesn't matter what tournament you're in. You're playing the same guys, okay? Whether I pay $150 for this prestige tour or $500 for this AJGA, because let's be honest, everyone says AJGA is the best to play. Hold on, I lost you. Hold on, hold on, Ty. I lost you right there. Yeah, my brother called. Sorry about that. No, you're, you're playing the same guys throughout the entire time. So it's different competition. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know. You're not, I can't hear you right now. I can't hear you. Having a little bit technical difficulties. No, I can't hear you now. Let's see. Man, we're getting juicy too. It's getting juicy right now. Let's see. Let's see. Let me tie. Can you talk? Let's check it out. No, not working. Damn. Damn, we're getting to the good stuff too. Let's see right here. Let me see. Why don't you go ahead? I don't know. Uh, you think maybe you could log on and log off? Maybe. All right, well, we got just a little bit of technical difficulties here with Ty right now. Man, we're getting into the really, really juicy stuff right now. Uh, you know what? If you've seen right here from Ty, Ty's really got a great head on his shoulders. And um, Ty, you back? I'm back. Is, is it working? There, there we go. Yeah, yeah go okay. ahead. Man, I said we're getting to the juice, man. This is it. This is it. Okay, so yeah, sorry. That was my brother. He's uh, he's in the military, so he doesn't really get to talk to me a lot. He'll call me. Oh, anyway. man, I'm sorry, dude. My bad. Oh, I'm sorry about it's, that. It's all good. It's all good. We, we're going to play games later. He's going to be over this weekend. Not a big deal. So, uh, what do, so what do you say to those detractors? You know, what do you say to the haters out there? You know, that's the thing. It doesn't matter what you do or what level you're at. There's always going to be people that doubt you, and that's the thing. They can say, hey, you know, he doesn't play enough competition or this and that. The same guys that – their thinking is tough competition. I've played them and I've beat them, okay? When you've played as many tournaments as I have, let's be real. You've faced pretty much everybody there is. And I'm going to be honest. There are some amazing golfers out there like Zach Heffernan who's going to go play for Baylor next year. Good friend of mine. He's a great golfer. And if I play him in a match, it will be a tough match. He is stiff competition. That's, that's A1 competition right there. And obviously, I don't get to play every tournament that he does because, I mean, that'd be weird. We're on the same schedule. Obviously, stuff like that. But we do play, and I, and I do play guys like that. Like, and you, you can look at some of my past tournaments. I'll shoot – like uh, I played in the Prestige Tour Open. I shot 14 under, and second place was 11 under. You're telling me that's not stiff competition? 11 under for two days? Hmm. That's low. That's yeah, damn that's, low. Yeah, that's, that's not easy. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what – I mean, I don't know what I can do to please them, and that's, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to please people. I'm here to, you know, have a career out of golf. So to them – what can I say? I'm sorry I can't please you, but I'm here to make a career, not make you happy. There you go. Hey, 
that's what I want to hear, Ty. That's exactly what I want to hear right there. Now, um, one of one of the last one of the last things that we're going to talk about today. Um, what is what is something that that you're hopeful that you see yourself happening here within the next five years? I know you we did we talked about uh your your you couldn't give me anything about your college you know where you're looking at college wise that'll be coming soon that'll be coming soon (laughs) but can you just give us give us a little something like maybe out of out of the 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 colleges that have reached out to you what are maybe some things that has been really appealing to you or and and that you see yourself within the next five years so one of one of my requirements for college which fortunately i've been able to be the one that is choosing not them choosing me it's like I have options. Uh, one of my requirements for a college was, can you get me to the next level? So obviously in the next four to five years, I plan on playing a few PGA tournaments when I have time off. So like I'm going to use uh, Cole Hammer as an example, who's played STPGA. For the people who say it's not stiff competition, you're telling me Cole Hammer didn't play stiff competition? Okay. Um, <laughs> so we got Cole Hammer. You know the guy who's played in the U.S. Open? Okay. So he, Stud. Stud. he played, he played STPGA very, thank you very much. And, uh, he plays at UT right now. And when he's not playing uh, college golf or an amateur tournament, he'll squeak in a PGA tour event every so often. And, uh, like my goal, I want to play in the Valero Texas open whenever it comes around. And I believe April this year, I'm going to try to Monday qualify for it and maybe even play it while I'm in high school. That'd be cool. But That'd my goal is to dude. play a couple, you know, uh, PGA Tour events as I'm going through college and progressing. And then when I get out of college, hopefully I can skip tour school and just go straight onto the tour. But obviously it's not that easy. You got to be something else. And I'm going to try to become something else. So my goal is to try to make it on the tour in the next four to five years or as close as I can to it. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you, Ty, uh, man, you've taught me some things today, man. You're a pretty confident guy. Uh, I totally agree with with many of the instructors and the people around the game that say that, uh, that you do got a good head on your shoulders, man. And, uh, you know, I'm over here jotting notes from you. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to work on this, my confidence level. (laughs) And so I'm taking a lot of notes, man. Um, I know you're going to do some bigger and better things. You've already done some great things here in the state of Texas with your 122 to 123, uh, junior wins. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best this year, man. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're, pretty freaking excited to get back out there for senior year. And uh, especially when your season got cut short, your, your high school season got yeah, cut that, short. That was unfortunate last year. Now, how are you looking at that? How are you, are you, are you coming back out here to, uh, with something to prove, especially you know, missing out pretty much on a, like on a, a high school golf season. So one, one last note uh, on our previous topic before I go into this one, um, when it comes to the confidence thing, my dad, another great piece of advice he gives me is he's, he goes, there's a lot of Ty Robertses in the world. There's a lot of great golfers. But what's going to make you different is the six inches between your left ear and your right ear. If you don't have any confidence, you can have the best swing in the world. But when it comes time to shine, you're going to fold like a cheap pool noodle. All right. So that's – Hey, man, your dad's, your dad's got the zingers, dude. He's got them zingers. He's got he, them liners, he, dude. He knows. I mean, <laughs> this, he's been around the block once or twice. I mean, he knows what it takes to be be that guy. and. Uh, that's, that's why, you know, confidence is key. And like, you know, it sounds so, you know, cliche to say something like that, but it really is. I mean, you look at the, I mean, Connor McGregor, I mean, guy with confidence, undeniable confidence. We all know he's good. 
but guess what? Confidence is a part of his, I mean, showmanship, because that's what they are, their entertainment. But he comes out with the confidence, and like Tiger Woods, he came out with confidence. A lot of people would show up to the tournament and were like, we're playing for second place. They're already beat. So that's my thing on that. And then when it comes to uh, the high school golf, fortunately, we were able to play most of our season. We only missed out on district, regional, and state. Which I mean, the most important part of the season. <laughs> I was like, only. I was like, damn, isn't that what you play for? You know. Yeah, I, we missed out the most important part. I didn't get to defend my district title, but um, we did get to play eight high school events before that. And the first one, I finished, I think, top twenty-five. And after that, I really, really thought to myself, you know, I need to make a jump. So the last seven I played, I won. I won all seven in a row, and I. That that first tournament was such a motivating factor. So I did draw a lot from last season. That um, and it was was stiff competition against uh, Lake Travis and Westlake. So it was some pretty good golfers out there. And just playing those last seven tournaments as well as I did, shooting under par in six of them, um, I thought it was really good. And just unfortunately didn't get to play for the big prize, but I was still able to draw something off of that season. So what do you think the odds are? How far are y'all going to make a run at today, uh, this year? So personally, my goal is to obviously win state. And I mean, if you don't play to have that goal, then what are you out there for? Um, but as a team, realistically, and we've got a, we've got a guy coming in uh, who was injured and he came from North Carolina, but then he started to play some golf again. Realistic, I mean, this is truly honest. I think we can make regionals no problem. I mean, we have a tough district. We have Alamo Heights and uh, Bernie Champion. But with the way our our team's improving, we have uh, two players that learned from David Ogren on our golf team, a good instructor. He's getting them going down the right path. And uh, one of them learns from my father who kind of – well, they both, they both kind of split time between my dad and David, which two great instructors. I mean, you're only getting good information there. So you look at that, and you got those, those two coming around, and then we have the guy from North Carolina that's – he's a pretty good golfer from what I've seen. He's just – I mean, he had an injury, so he's starting to come back. And – I think if us four can really turn the corner towards the end of the year and make our push regionals, it is. I mean, I think we got it. Well, good, Ty. I, I wish you and your team nothing but the best. I thank you so much for your time. Uh, like I said, man, you, you've given me a lot of stuff, and I really feel like, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of, like, I got a lot of advice, you know, that your dad gives you. So you're giving me uh, something for free. You know, I don't have to pay a pro to hear this advice. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best this season, nothing but luck uh, and stay healthy, you know, uh, for you and your team and then for your individual career. I don't know, by chance, did you want to ask me anything or anything? If you need to or you want to, go for it. I mean, if you have any question for me, I'm 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 free range. If you have anything to ask, I'm. I'm here to answer it. I, no, that's it, man. I, I, pre I appreciate your time, man. I, I know I know you're a young guy. I know you got school tomorrow. But again, I thank you and I thank your dad for making this happen. Sorry for just getting this podcast uploaded here. This 41-year-old was having some technical difficulties, but I'm thankful that I'm able to get this podcast up on all my audio formats. I want to say a special congratulations to Ty Roberts. Because as of December, he has signed his letter of intent to go play D1 golf at Alabama State University. I'm so happy for him and his family, and I wish him nothing but the best in his collegiate career, and I know we'll be hearing about him on the PGA in a few years. Remember, in the game of life, nothing is obedient.